Hello, this is Ruslan Malinovsky. Hello, this is Roman Yeremchuk. Hello, I'm Sergey Rebro. And you're listening to Ukraine Plus Football. He's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading east, he's heading football's heading east. Hello, welcome to Ukraine Plus Football, the home of the number one English language podcast on the Ukrainian beautiful game. Domestic football is well and truly underway. UPL, Persia and Druha all returning on the same weekend. I'm your host Adam from Ukrafoot24 and I'm joined as always by my excellent co-host Mr. Zarya Londonsk, Andrew. Hey, hey Andrew, it's been a busy opening weekend hasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it has, Adam. Wow. Lots and lots of football. I think the past week in general, I've never seen such sort of build-up from other from sides across the Ukrainian pyramid in my life in terms of new kit releases, new signings, marketing for matches, promos and everything like that. It looks like everyone's fully invested in this campaign and... The UPL has got off to a great start. A few interesting matches that we'll be talking about. And um, the lower leagues as, as well, which we'll cover in a future episode, have got off to a very exhilarating beginning as well. Definitely. So, sadly, Ray can't join us today, but he does send his best wishes to all of his fans out there. Anyway, I mean, even though Dinamo's opening game was postponed due to the Olympic scandal, they still really managed to grab the star headlines over the weekend with the signing of Eric Ramirez, first ever Venezuelan to play in Ukraine. Now, Andrew spoke with Dominic Bazonia, co-founder of Footve English, to get the lowdown on the latest star to grace the top flight. Well, pleasure to be joined by Venezuelan football expert, Dominic Jose Bisogna. And obviously, Dominic's the man to go to to talk about Dinamo Kiev's new signing, Eric Ramirez. So, tell us a bit about Ramirez just as a player. You know, I think uh, he's a relatively well-rounded forward. Physically, 6'2", he's you know, muscular but also trimmed, not, not a particularly bulky player. Uh, Solid pace, but he's also very intelligent. You know, a lot of his goals aren't headers from corners. They're long-range shots. They're curving, you know, shots from difficult angles, these sorts of things. So, you know, I, I think the, the, base, the basic uh, description of him, again, is, is a very well-rounded player, a guy that can do a little bit of everything, can drift around, move the ball if he needs to, but could also kind of just deal with the center back and hold up a little bit and, be more of a physical contender as you would maybe expect of a striker traditionally and so I think that you know moving to a new club I think that leaves a lot of options open to how they want to use him which is exciting. Sounds cool so if you would have to say maybe three strengths of his what what would you say because obviously he's six foot two he's a bit of a sizable player but he seems like he's got a bit of pace from the highlights I've seen. Yeah absolutely I think you know I think his entire career has really been shaped by a sort of 
willingness to adapt to situations. I mean, even the way he's climbed through club football has been very unique in starting uh, with uh, Estudiantes Caracas, uh, who made the, fi- the cup final in Venezuela, but got relegated that season. So his first season with them, they were in the Copa Sudamericana, but they were also in the second division. Um, and he actually helped them uh, win the second division, and he, had, and he scored in the Sudamericana uh, in a game that they lost, but you know, still a, a good consolation moment. And so going from there, climbing his way through Venezuelan football, climbing through multiple countries in Europe now, uh, dealing with language barriers, obviously, learning new environments. And then again, you look on the pitch, which how he actually plays, kind of doing whatever is needed in the moment. Uh, again, if you need him to head in from a corner, he seems to be able to do that quite a bit, but also he can run down, you know, space. He can take a long shot from 30 yards out and often they actually get on target and even find their way in. So it's kind of one big strength, but it, it has many faces to it. He just, he consistently shows the ability to kind of see what is needed and, and do it without getting too in his head or complaining about the multifacetedness of it. So Dynamo Kiev basically played with one up top and two wide men. Do you think he's going to be more than capable of fitting that role as centre forward? I think so. I think so. You know, I think he's shown the ability to do that in different environments um, and at different stages. Uh, this is admittedly a higher level than, than he has played before and particularly with the potential European football implications of the move. But, you know, I mean, this is a guy that scored in Europa League qualifiers and against pretty solid teams. And obviously he's done well in Slovakia and in the Czech Republic as well. And I think that while there's certainly that bit of uncertainty in a new challenge, I, I think there's reason to have confidence in him. Uh, you know, as a, as a side note, but as a reason to, again, have, have confidence in him. You know, recently in the Copa America, he was put into the camp for Venezuela, but he never actually made the roster and he ended up, or the match day squad rather, and he never really got anything out of it. And you would maybe see that as an outsider and think of that as a bad situation. The one thing I would say to that concern is almost the entirety of the Venezuelan football community were deeply upset about this. Um, You would struggle to find someone that wasn't consistently just asking like, what is happening here? Both him and, and Daniel Perez is another player who plays in Belgium. The two of them were in this situation there were frequent questions of just like, why, why is this happening? So while that coaching decision, you know, it, it unfortunately means he only has one cap for Levine and Tinto and it maybe dampens his profile a little bit. Um, keep in mind that this is a guy that a lot of people think is probably could, could be in that match day roster as soon as this fall when we're back in World Cup qualifiers. This is a guy that there's a lot of excitement about and he's only 22. He's going to be 23 this fall. So I, I think that, there's a lot to look forward to for what he could do for, for this club, what he'd do in the future internationally and again in club football and maybe even what they can get out of him in the long term with a potential move. I, I do think there's a lot to look forward to. That sounds really cool. Well, we've spoken about the positives. Any, any sort of weaknesses you can uh, outline on his game, maybe something that he needs to work on once he uh, gets to Dynamo? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, obviously sometimes – stats are hard to read when you're when you're dealing with different levels but depending on and 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 as you you mentioned earlier you know obviously this also depends on how maybe they want to play him or or how they form around him but you know he doesn't have um his his goal involvement tally is about one goal involvement 
every two games, um, including assists, obviously. Uh, so, you know, uh, that's good. Um, if you're going to be the starting striker for a, a high-level team and a higher level than before, there's always room to work, uh, to work on in that. Um, and again, there's, there's obviously going to be the question of, can he step up to this? It's not necessarily a weakness that is physically present that we know of, but it's a, it's a weakness in the aura around the move. We just don't know what Eric Ramirez looks like at this level. Yeah, how he's going to adapt, basically. Right. So time will tell. Cool. Right. So here's a bit of a... Who could you compare him to that's sort of like an established striker or something like that? Or maybe, you know, on a minimum, not Lewandowski, the top level yet. Yeah, but yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. Yeah. Hmm. You know... Hmm. You... you you think of people, but then you're like, oh, that's too hyperbolic. Uh, <laughs> or the, I don't know if this is, I don't know. He's not necessarily a physical, physically similar to this player, but actually someone that comes to mind just a little bit, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And this is hyperbolic, but is, uh, is recently like what a lot of people say about Lukaku. Okay. In the sense that um, he's a very, phys- you know, very physically capable person, but then you put him in certain situations where his feet got to do some work recently and he's quite good mm. with all his feet and he's quite good from range and he's quite you know the, it, so in that sense he's different he's a different player but in the sense that kind of just figures out the situations as they come kind of has strength in, in different areas um obviously center forward I, I think there's maybe a couple similarities just as a player that probably everyone that's listening to this has actually seen play i i think that you could maybe draw a couple of comparisons all right fair enough because Shakhtar is a new forward. Um, Lucina Traore has also been getting comparisons to Lukaku, but that I think is more in a physicality point sure. of view and sort of similar ways. And ironically, Shakhtar were after uh, Ramirez as their right. second choice. So it, it probably lines up there. Yeah. Okay, so if we're going to talk about... So obviously you've already alluded to a bit about reaction back in Venezuela. What's the general feel about this move for the player back back in his home country and has it been received positively what's the I know there's a lot of excitement that he's going to be in the Champions League and likely the starting forward I think there's definitely been a a general positivity you know for the last month or so there were a variety of rumors about what the next step in his career would be so I think people anticipated there you know obviously would be something there were multiple clubs at various levels of the game that were that were named during those conversations uh, and so I, I think the fact that after all that, he has landed in a, a more competitive league than where he's been in the past with the club that's going to be involved in, in European competition. I, I think there's a lot of general excitement for that for sure. And I think there's excitement that this would potentially be something that could unlock the next chapter in his career. And obviously, as he's getting into that sort of mid-20s area where people tend to thrive most, as he's trying to get more recognition with the national team. I, I think that there's definitely a lot of people that feel like this makes sense in the puzzle. This makes sense as we're heading towards the peak of the pyramid of how something comes together. There, are, there is a long history of, of Venezuelan footballers uh, going to, to Eastern Europe and developing and growing their reputations there. So I think that it's, it's a concept that people that follow Venezuelan football are familiar with and um, would be more than happy to celebrate. So, yeah, I, I think there's definitely been positivity, certainly positivity in the football community around Barinas, where he's from. Uh, that's uh, where Zamora, his initial club uh, that he only played for a couple of times, but his original club uh, is based. 
I, I think there's a lot of positivity around around his future for club and national team football for sure. Lovely. Well, thanks for joining us, Dominic. Uh, before you go, what is the best place for people to find out a bit more about Venezuelan football in English online? So. Give us a bit about um, Footvay. What do you guys do on there and a bit of a plug? Yeah, so you can find Footvay English on uh, Twitter and, and YouTube. Uh, Footvay is spelled F-U-T-V-E space English. And uh, what we do is, uh, well, we do a variety of things. We, we do live tweet coverage of all the domestic first division matches in Venezuela, or nearly all. Uh, and then in addition to that, you know, we write articles, sometimes for other publications. We do interviews with players, coaches, et cetera, as articles or as Twitter threads, and sometimes video projects as well. We do goal of the month, team of the month sort of things to highlight things going on in Venezuelan football. We share events going on through Europe and MLS and other parts of South America, and really just try to inform people about the day-to-day happenings, the highlights, what players are thriving, and what teams in Venezuela are developing and, and to the point of Eric Ramirez's move and, 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 uh, and also Daniel Perez, who I mentioned earlier, we try to highlight, you know, guys that are in Venezuela, maybe at a lower level in the U S or South America or Europe that can make the next step and, and become the next big name. Wow. Sounds great. And what's your personal Twitter? If anyone wants to follow that. Yeah. You can find me at uh, DJ Bisonio. So that's letters DJ B I S O G N O. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, some great insight there from Dominic and thanks Andrew for sorting all of that. Now, Ramirez isn't the only story going on uh, in Kiev at the moment. What's the latest with Sopriaga? I mean, we heard all summer that he was going to be disappearing off to Genoa, is, but then things go wrong. Is he going to get a chance this season? Is he going to be there? What's what's what seems to be a situation? Currently, the latest rumours seem to suggest that Genoa are back in for Supraha. So the saga is turning its head once again after the fact that last week Luchescu told Supraha and a few others to go back to Kiev because he's not going to really be counting on them this campaign. A few of those have ended up at Toronto Moritz. Um, some of those players like Vanat, for example. But yeah, Supraha looks to be on his way out if some sort of deal can be arranged. But as you know, there have been problems with Genoa, Bologna last season, all about, I guess, the transfer fees and all that sort of stuff. So let's see if it actually comes through and maybe this player can get back on track in sort of a promising career. Can I, can I ask you there? I mean, is it problems with Bologna and Genu- Genoa, or is it problems with a certain other man involved in the deal <laughs> that seems to be messing it up? I mean, for me, for me, it probably is. But I... well, you... yeah. the fact that the fact that Genoa are back in for it, obviously, they haven't had such bad relations for the first for the first two rounds of negotiations <laughs> that haven't gone through. Let's see what happens. Really, um, going to be interesting. Definitely. I mean, what's uh, did I, did I see? Kulak score another goal as any any closer to a contract or are the Indians coming in to whisk him off? <laughs> um, no new Kerala Blasters rumours yet, but the general consensus in some camps is that he might not be signed after spending the entire sort of pre-season training camp with Dinamo Kiev. The reason for that, not really sure that he fully fits Dinamo's system, although he did get the win, as you just mentioned, against Gaziantep there mm. in Dinamo's last friendly of their pre-season campaign. 
We're coming back to Kiev now. Uh, Ihor Surkis told Tatar to care in their latest video that they are still going to be dealing with that once they return from Kiev. And Dynamo are returning at the start of this week. So I'm sure it will probably be resolved before they play Veris. I mean, personally, though, I think Kulic really needs to have a look at his agent if they haven't been able to sort a deal out or any. The guys, the guys getting messed around with everybody else sort of set up and good to go for the season. It's either Dinamo or he's going to have to leave Ukraine, I think, now. I don't know about you. Potentially, though. but, you know, he could end up back at Vorskla or something like that in a strange turn of affairs. But I, I, don't, I don't see it happening yet. It'll probably be somewhere like Hungary or, or even Turkey, as we've already spoken about, where he actually does end up going, which is a shame for, you know, UPL top scorer last season. OK, a lot of his goals were penalties, but he looks like he could certainly strengthen one side or another. Uh, definitely so. Uh, any chance we're going to get a Shakhtar-style kit kit launch this week in downtown Kiev? I don't think it's going to be anywhere sort of as high key as uh, Shakhtar's one in the Ukrainian house the other week. But Dynamo have already shown some spoilers of their new kit. It's They've shown the back of the hem of the collar, which says, Kiev, that's us, or that's our city, basically. And I think that's basically the argument that they're going to be trying to put on the spin after all the recent downing of Shakhtar promos across Kiev. A recent one that the White Boys Club, Dynamo Ultras, did just over the weekend, where they stripped like one of those fake facades on a building and just completely let it fall down. So that was certainly not over. We'll see what the new kit looks like. Last year's kit was okay, but nothing unique or special. Let's see what New Balance have to offer this time around. You, you mentioned there, of course, uh, the Ultra sort of going to war with with Shakhtar and Shakhtar's marketing. <laughs> this this uh, sort of preseason has certainly gone up a few notches. They played, of you know, they had the open, opening day at home in Kiev in the Olympic Stadium. 9,000 showed up. I had a, had a quick look um, at their attendances. Um, when they were in sort of Kharkiv, they were averaging about 6,000 as an average attendance. So up, up 3,000 for opening day against Inglet. You reckon anything to do with this new loyalty scheme where people get to get, you know, winning, winning sort of lumps of coal based on rocking up for games. Great little marketing ploy by Shakhtar. I've got to give them a lot of respect. For yeah, their, for that for one, for sure. That is a, that's a first, if I'm not mistaken, or yeah. I, I just might not know about it because if another club does have it, it's not been shared or anything like that. As no well. one's known about it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it, it sounds like a good idea. And I mean, I think it's going to, it hopefully will fruit a bit of reward and a bigger attendances in the UPL, but only time will tell on that. I've also seen for Dynamo's side, they've got their new season tickets that have been released, but you can only buy them online and you have to put your passport details in. So that's already causing a massive issue with Dynamo Ultras who have never had to do that before and don't want to do that because obviously if they're going to be protesting against Luchescu, protesting against Sorkis, that's going to have a negative impact on you don't know what, depending on how they react at games. So we'll see what attendances are like for Dynamo matches this season from that particular end of the Olympiski as well. Definitely so. Now, obviously, as we mentioned, Dynamo's opening match was postponed. All eyes were on. The new look Shakhtar and uh, 
I did enjoy the game, I have to say. It was, uh, you know, there's some exciting uh, signs for Shakhtar this season. Traore, uh, personally, I thought really stood out from the, the free signings. I like the power and the presence that he brings up front. You know, mentioned Supriyaga and... I think if you put Supriaga and uh, Traore in a strike partnership together, the poor lad will get crushed to pieces. But Traore's also got some decent feet. I, was, I loved the way they were passing, you know, knocking the ball in and he was laying it off to Solomon and Tete cutting in from the wings and Pedrinho and the like. There was all really good stuff going on there. Marlon, on the other hand. Oh, I, we've been talking about in pre-season. I spoke to a journalist about him and who knows a lot more about Italian football than me. And he was like, this really shows how far Shakhtar have slumped if they're signing defenders of the quality of Marlon as their star defensive signings. He's, he's got such poor reputation, had such a poor reputation in Serie A to come across uh, to the UPL and put in an opening day performance like that kind of lived up to his reputation. The goal, for those of you who haven't seen it, go and look at it at highlights. Well, his defensive positioning was all over the place. He played some guys off onside and then he was daydreaming and left people unmarked in the box and it was a real sort of disaster. But the Zerbi ball, first, first time, it was really sort of clear to see. Me being a bit of a stato geek, I, I had a look at the stats and interesting one for me here, Andrew. Uh, compared to the game, because obviously Shakhtar's last home match, league home match, was against Ingolets as well at the end of last season. 300 more attempted passes in this game than the game in May. Now, that is a huge statement for me. That is a hell of a lot of passes that they attempted. I think they only missed on 10 of the 908 passes they attempted during the entire game, which it's just, it's, it's absurd. Absolutely absurd. But if that's the way he's going to go, that's great. Good early signs. I know they, they switched off a bit in the second half in England's. Uh, got their goal. They didn't have much of the ball. <laughs> and they didn't create much, but uh, they did get a goal from, for me. It was a huge defensive mistake. Andrew, I know you watch them. I do focus on Shakhtar because I'm curious about them and love the fact Kornienko got a start. Good to see him back. Didn't watch Inglets as much. The new Nigerian lad, though, up front, he's he's an interesting guy, isn't he? What's, I forgot his name. What's he called again? Uh, Michael Stephen Gopi. Gopi. Um, but everyone, well, the Ukrainian commentators are calling him Michael. Some of uh, I saw someone else calling him Stephen. So uh, we're just going to call him Gope, which is what a few Nigerians <laughs> on Twitter have been uh, calling him to me. But yeah, he looks like a good prospect. Signed from the Nigerian league. So a bit, oh. of, a, bit of a no name in terms of, you know, European circles or anything like that. But he certainly looks like an improvement on Sitalo. So when Sitalo came off, I think around early second half and... Gope looked a lot more accomplished and he would certainly get a few goals this season if Inhalets can continue that, their own deserby ball as they scored. But it's, it's going to be a tough year for them. As you just said, yeah, Shakhtar attempted like 900 passes or whatever, but it was very much Inhalets sitting back in their own half for the majority of the whole game. And towards the end of that match, when 
Shakhtar was showing a bit more slack. A few of the substitutions not fully getting involved in the game, such as when Sudokov came on. I didn't really see anything from him, fortunately. But for me, I think the key player for Shakhtar this season is going to be Solomon. Pedrinho was, had a very good performance, but Solomon, for whatever reason, he just looks like a bit of a prime Konoplyanka. What you expect Konoplyanka back in the heyday. And he wasn't that great with realising chances against Inhulets, but I think that will come. And the general consensus is that he will be staying at least until the winter. So that should be good. It's good good from one side, not so good for Misha Mudrick, who will be a long way behind him in uh, the, the lineup. See, well, I mean, that's that's one thing I, I, I would comment on before we, we, we do move on, is that it was a shame to see just the, the four Ukrainians in in the lineup in the game and it that, that is something that hopefully deserve will rectify as the season moves on but moving on we will move on Chorna Moretz who have now become the sort of de facto Dynamo reserves they traveled up to well probably their longest trip of the season to the the club we called Trouble Desna in last week's part I mean how did that game pan out Andrew uh Chorna Moretz it's not a happy place it's really not a happy place at the moment no, so that game was decided by two nice goals from Khaled Vincev and a goal from Saviski. Generally, we were concerned about Desna ahead of the season, but once actually watching them, okay, maybe the calibre of opposition wasn't too brilliant, but the core of their attack is still with them in their team. I've heard some rumours that Sosovitsky might be leaving in the winter or something like that, but generally right now he's still there. And he was pulling the strings. They were missing Hutsulak, who might be on his way out. Not entirely sure where, but that's another question. But yeah, Trondon Moritz just looks very inexperienced. So I think they had five of those Dynamo Loney debutants in there. Um, they went down to 10 men relatively early on in the in the first half. Biloshevsky, ironically, getting sent off against the side that he was loaned at last season. And a lot of people had high hopes for him. Um, at Disna, but he got injured and then didn't play any more of the loan. And now here he's off to a bad start at Trondon Moritz. It's just going to be weird to see, I think, Trondon Moritz. I made some predictions last week, but just basing on that first game, I think the just general inexperience in that squad is not going to be doing too well in in the league. And also the fact that they're not going to have much support either from their own fans isn't going to help. I mean, that's, that's something that we do need to touch on. There was a banner, wasn't there, shown in the away and There was only about two or three fans that had travelled with them anyway, but it was, uh, I, my Ukrainian's pretty abysmal, as most of you know. Well, it was along the lines of just get out of our club. And it's it's not good. Yeah, because for those people that don't know, um, Trodno Moritz and Dynamo, Ultras, sort of even that, even the club rivalry is almost as fierce. Well, it was in the past as fierce as this sort of new Shakhtar rivalry. And that's why the Ultras are so disappointed with the fact that they've got 12 Dynamo Lonies and also the old ex Dynamo under 21 manager as their main manager, even though Oleksiy Antonov did quite a good job in his sort of first stint last, last season. Definitely. The, the... They've got some great talent. You know, you look at a forward line of uh, Venat and Isayenko, two great young young strikers that have gone down from Dynamo and everyone was talking about them as, you know, future internationals and everything else. I even had Isayenko, I think, in my uh, 
Euro squad back at Christmas when we were predicting it. So there's definitely talent there, but it's it's it can't be a happy place for youngsters to go down and work needs to be done behind the scenes uh, more than on the pitch, I think, before the stuff on the pitch clicks into place. Now, obviously, last week we said Besna were going to struggle. The other team we all sat around and said we're going to struggle was Alexandria, wasn't it? And they travelled down from Kirovagrad to Zaporizhia for their opening game of the season. Uh, were they as poor as we expected? No, they played a lot better. Um, Zoria, a second season in a row where they're starting with a loss. Not great. Remember, Zoria had actually mm-hmm. a really poor start last season and then picked it up and, you know, still finished third. So, may not be completely lost, but they were generally quite flat. Ivan Asenia at centre defensive mid looked like he was a miss there. Um, they were playing Svek, who has played in multiple games over the past sort of year for Zoria and has never had a convincing performance. Remember in particular, I think it was against Leicester where he was very poor and the few other matches in the UPL last campaign where he didn't play too well and he's was that replacement there. Doesn't look like he's going to be working and I'd rather see someone like Nazarena maybe drop a bit deeper. However, positive light from Zoria's point of view, um, Buletza looks like he could have a, a good campaign after a couple of years of maybe just not being able to realise his full potential at Dnipro 1 because of this way that they play football. They don't really play with a centre-attacking midfielder under Jovicovic or so generally positive and hopefully can emulate maybe Bogdan Lednev who had a great few seasons there and maybe can get a few more goals, create a few more chances. Just in general, Zoria and need to work on a few more bits before they... Uh, I think get going, but Europa League playoffs coming up soon, so they need to buck up, buck up fast. Alexandria, on the other hand, they look quite good. They, as we mentioned, they have had a bit of a reworking. Obviously, they've got their new uh, manager in there, new coaching staff, uh, Yuri Hura. But they were playing okay, not the most attractive football or anything like that, and they scored off a counter after a poor pass from Zoria. But, you know, they look like they can certainly hold their own, and maybe a mid-table finish could do them well. Another thing from Tata Takeda I saw is that, apparently, their new signing, Spinelli, mm-hmm. who's on loan from... Genoa. Genoa. Yeah, well, there we go. Um, he's on about 15k a month, Euros, which is quite a big salary you'd expect for a side... Who are meant to be apparently saving, back. <laughs> yeah, saving a few, saving a few quid because obviously uh, Alexandria have got a new president and it's the son of the former president and the son's like twenty four or very young, just finished university, and obviously he's probably going to be still getting a bit of funding from his father. And Rebalka, the uh, the other player who's just joined, obviously from Sivasport, hasn't played for two seasons because of injury, but he's on over. 10k a month as well so we'll see what these players can sort out but they've still got Kovalet they've still got some accomplished players Tretyakov as well so every chance of them having an okay season and maybe not be too threatened by relegation Could I think saying something about fifth or sixth is the aim I don't know if they're going to fall short of that but only time will tell it's going to be tough for Alexandria to get into that battle because I mean two of the teams played in the final match they being Volsker and Dnipro won uh, you 
you you watched that for us, didn't you, Andrew? I know it's a bit of a classic, I think, for match day one. Oh, well, game of the round, that's for certain. Lots of controversy, as is always with the UPL, and match day one couldn't have ended without without something like that. In general, there were a few debutants on both sides recruited quite heavily during the during the summer campaign. In particular, Rusin was starting up top alongside uh, Dovbik today, but Rusin was playing more of a left wing position. Slightly, slightly weird, but hey ho, Past was in goal, and obviously we all know Past is sort of a relatively reliable goalkeeper for Disney over the past few years. Mm. But he had probably one of the worst games I've seen him play over the past few seasons. Today, he was caught. He was caught out by either the sun or something like that for Stepanyuk's opener came out a fair amount of times just trying to like come for a few balls and either parrying it out and not getting full hands to it and then for Vorskla's second goal he ran out and then Svatok tried to clear it and ended up being an own goal so all a bit comedic from from Dnipro 1 defensively today they also had Lohinov sent off for two yellows, which isn't which isn't great. But I think they're going to come into their own over the season, really. Uh, Jurassic had a bit of a baptism of fire in centre-defensive mid. But time will tell. But Dovbik, looking sharp as ever, con- continuing his Euros form with a brace. One of his goals was certainly offside, but... Apparently, VAR was in an offline mode today, which means it wasn't working. Or, <laughs> or just VAR wasn't involved yeah. in match day one in the UPL. Not sure why entirely, but there were some sort of rumours that there's extra training going on. And I'm pretty sure that um, Monzel is at the Olympics. So maybe that has got some sort of impact on that. Overall... It's going to be weird. Hopefully, Vodka can get past their Finnish rivals mm-hmm. in the Europa Conference League after another 2-2 draw last Thursday. But I don't know. There's something. There's just sort of a bit of an imbalance and something that they just don't fully have the depth, I think, in their team to to go for the full for the full ninety. Hopefully, I'm wrong. But yeah, Vodka need a bit of work to do. I think. Yeah, it's a shame because so, so after the winter break, they seem to be just in the right position, but they've they've lost a few key players since then, and it's hopefully they'll they'll figure out. It's easy. So apologies, to people at home for me laughing during the VAR bit there, but I do find it quite funny that they've they've switched it off for match day one because Monzo's the other side of the world and get it back quickly. I'd say. On that one. Now, uh, got let's let's have a chat about the new, you know, the rest of the new promoted clubs. Now, obviously, Metalist, uh, you know, one of our favourites to go down, given all the problems there over in Kharkiv. Sort of the battle for for the city seems one that they're going to lose. Never mind the battle to stay in the UPL. Uh, they started off the season at home, six thousand rocked up. Which is great to see. I mean, we we've discussed for a while is Kharkiv a big big enough city to to host two clubs? And there's obviously endless examples of clubs in the past that have gone out of business in in Kharkiv. But uh, 
at the moment it seems to be seems to be okay team i'm very curious about this season to see how how they move on in sort of their second season with the support of the city group uh franchise being rook and they they traveled over there didn't they but as with all of our predictions so far on match day one we couldn't have been more wrong am i right andrew yeah so it's definitely a game of two halves this one um uh, 1925 were on the ball about first 45 although there was a very bad injury to their number one choice center forward um ponomar so he's torn his Achilles tendon or something like that. So, and he's going to be out for about four to five months. So that's already a bad start for them. Can they get in a replacement? I'm not sure because obviously we know that they've got some, you know, lack of finances and in general, not sure where the, where the, where the funding comes from. So time will tell about that. But yeah, they play. They were playing against a very poor Rook side who just weren't coming out of the blocks in that first half. Then it was sort of a role reversal in the second half, where the lack of a centre forward for Metalist nineteen twenty five was shown. Rook coming back into it with a number of their new players coming coming on the pitch, including Kuzik and Alvarenga. Kuzik got a goal on his debut, but they definitely need to improve. Uh, Bandura in goal, I'm not sure why he's being chosen over Pankiv, new boy Pankiv. I know Pankiv's quite old, but, you know, I'd be just a lot more convinced of him in goal than Bandura, who made a bit of a mistake for the first goal as well. So, in general, we're going to see what's going to happen at Ruh sort of a mediocre start and it's something similar that we thought last season that they might hit the track running and it was the same old where they got quite a few losses under their belts and they weren't just playing well so I don't really know is it Ihor Fedik the manager who's not really instilling some sort of philosophy as they want to play or just yeah I'm not entirely sure whether they, yeah. they just lack the quality in the squad they, they got beat 5-2 didn't they in Vorskler opening day last season remember that sunny day now yeah uh, some something else that one was but yeah very very surprising result very surprising result Uh, we'll see what happens this weekend uh the last one of the the promoted teams with the champions apologize to veres for keeping you to the, the last of them but not the last game for us to talk about though today uh they started off their home season not in rivner oblast but next door in uh Berlin playing in the capital Lutz there at the avant-garde stadium uh, all credit to Vera's fans some you know they, they're a club that pers- I personally do admire for their supporter base they were getting thousands traveling a, a good 70 80 kilometers last season and two seasons ago when they're in the second tier so it was no surprise that they're in good numbers at avant-garde to welcome Colos uh, for the opening day of the season very functional team, very well organised team, very defensive team. Game finished nil nil, which for Veres was a good start to the season. Uh, for Colos, on the other hand, we'd spoken last week about how they've they've had another roll of the dice with their attacking lineup, but they settled with four four one one again at the start of the game. They bring in an international striker Nuriev and then leave him on the bench 
for, for, for the start of the match. And guess what? It was a pretty boring game with a lack of action at both ends of the pitch. Sichinava, uh, I'll put it out there now, uh, it does have talent. We saw it last year. Well, and Andrew smiling at me. We both remember the goal he scored against Desna at the start of last season, which was absolutely outstanding. But I think he only got three goals last year. So it's it's one of those, can he hit the ground running? We'll, we'll see. Um, we're still going to keep the faith in them. We, we do like the villagers. We like to see them do well, but they need to, again, as with Vorskler and a few other teams, get themselves organised pretty quickly because they've got the European Games coming up soon. And that's that's the bigger concern for us here at the podcast is that they get through that first that first qualifying round, first of all, for Ukrainian football in general. Uh, then, moving on, the final game, which was also the first game, we've kind of gone in reverse today. We go back to Friday night for Mariupol. I'll be curious if there's a longer trip this season. I wonder if Lutsk will take them longer to get there. I believe it took 20 hours for Mariupol from the Azov Sea to travel to Lviv for their opening match of the season. 20 hours. For those of you listening in places like England, just think how far you can drive in 20 hours. You'd probably be in Kiev. (laughs) Never mind anywhere else. Uh, That is a heck of an away day. but they put in a reasonable performance. Um, Lviv surprised me. I was really, you know, really amazed by Lviv. I was expecting them to set up in a in a similar sort of defensive style to last season, but they were a lot more progressive. The boy, uh, the Ghanaian lad, Antwi, was a, a, a real sort of surprise in that game. He played very well out on the left side of midfield, getting quite far forward, set up a few chances for Lviv, and. Uh, that's going to be one to watch because he sort of disappeared towards the back end of last season and was a sub, but it all right. Mariupol, lucky to get to half-time level, 1-1. Um, I thought Lviv should have scored in, in top lead in the first half. Second half, Kashtuk come on and Mariupol were a lot better. Uh, could, could have got a winner, probably deserved the winner. Me personally, was very happy to see... Archeretko come on for the last 30 minutes. He'd only joined, what, about a day or two before kickoff and having been whisked down from Kiev to to spend the year at Shakhtar's reserves. Uh, but he seemed to sort of inject a lot of pace and energy into the midfield and knock the ball around rather well. Uh, for me personally, I'm going to put it out there that he's going to be the one to watch for me this season in Mari- Mariupol's performances, the one I'm going to be looking at to see if he can. You know, when you look at you look at him there, is he somebody that you can see stepping into Stepanenko further down, further down the road in a few years? See the potential, potential there to develop into that sort of position. The way he played on Friday night, early, early signs. The other big name that's gone there on loan as the one, you know, sort of one to watch from Shakhtar's reserves for me is uh, Bogdan, sorry, Bogdan, Bogdan, uh, uh, the centre forward. Uh, I, I was watching him 
and whilst thinking about the podcast in advance, I thought he's the same age as Traore, you know, as Shakhtar as well. And you put put the two of them together, and it's like it's boy boy against man. Now, uh, if if I if I if I was in charge of Shakhtar, if I was Denari, I'd I'd be getting in 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 touch with Mariupol's gaffer and just say. I don't care how much game time he has this season. Just get him in the gym. I want him pumping iron all season through. And we've got to book this lad up. Otherwise, he's just going to get squashed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's, his talent is, you know, undeniable. His potential is undeniable. But if he doesn't start becoming a man soon, he's, he's really going to struggle to, to make that breakthrough through youth potential to senior success. And it seems to be a key thing. I mentioned Supriyaka earlier. There seems to be this lack of physicality in the centre-forward role with Ukrainian centre-forwards coming through. When you compare them to, I mean, even as an Englishman, you compare them to Harry Kane. Well, I mean, the only one, Andrew, actually I can think of that has that physicality is Yaramchuk, who, who, who can hold his own as that lone striker but in the UPL it's very hard to think of somebody who's got that physicality as a Ukrainian national to to play that role successfully. Uh, Fionnok has got a long way to go and hopefully this season will start to see him on the journey. Good attendance, uh, reasonable attendance at Arena Lviv. They made a bit of noise but obviously the stadium's way too big for them. Way, 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 way too big. Ukraine is also way too big for them as well. So it's it's not about what stadium they're in. UPL Federation, please listen. Let people play in smaller stadiums that will get atmosphere going. We started this podcast talking about marketing and the good marketing going on uh, across the league. I'm going to finish with my comment saying that marketing only gets you so far. If you get people to stadiums, through clever marketing and then give them a crap experience, they ain't going back. And sitting in an empty stadium where there's hardly any atmosphere is going to be an awful experience that a lot of people will just choose not to come back to. So you've got to get that right as well. Uh, sorry for going on a little rant there, Andrew. <laughs> nah, that's fine, Adam. Uh, yeah, I agree. In general, the attendances have been a bit higher, I think, than we usually aware of but that I think is more to do with the fact that football's been gone for a while okay there was some attendances allowed last season but I think now it's the summer months people have got a bit of free time on the weekends want to do something and hopefully more will turn up but as we've mentioned Arena Lviv is just a different story in itself on terms of getting there and back from the city centre and anything else. So we could do a whole podcast episode on that, which I hope we don't because that would actually end up being very boring. <laughs> <laughs> go, go, go ahead as well. There's a bit of a feel-good factor about Ukrainian football after the performance of Zabina in the Euros. As you know, getting to the quarterfinals, uh, we can go on about the performances for days. But getting to the quarterfinals does make a lot of people feel like Yeah, absolutely. Great to see. Fingers crossed, though, that our teams who have got the qualifying rounds in Europe get on their get on their horses and start riding them properly, though. Uh, Vodska coming up this week. They've got their second leg against Cups at home. So you'd hope that they get it over the line against a Finnish side 
that they didn't play too well against last week. Yes, the Finnish side have had a lot of time because they play a spring summer spring summer league. But, you know, two matches in now, Vorska should be on their way. And then Kolos the week after have got their sort of third round qualifying. And also Shakhtar, who I think that's where De Zerbi is going to make his, make his name um, if they make those group stages, which is, you know, the big aim and the, and the big sort of need for this season. Definitely so, definitely so. Well, we've got a, another great match day coming up. Can't wait, can't wait for it. It's going to be a lot of fun again. Dinamo gets started as well. And of course, Manai gets started. We can't forget about good old Manai down there. Hopefully, they'll have got a team together by the weekend. But that's it for today, everyone. Andrew, great as always. It's been a nice little episode, this. I've enjoyed it. Um, for people listening, new listeners in particular, uh, where can they reach out to you? Yeah, it has been very enjoyable. Just a calm episode, I'd say, compared to the usual mayhem <laughs> that we experience. Relatively low key in the general scheme of things for an opening match day, vast this some bits of controversy that we've discussed. Yeah, before we go, definitely one uh, want to reignite just the fact that we're going on our road trip next week guys so please please help support that whilst we're on it we're we're still out for you know different ideas and things that you'd like us to explore and you know want us to share from our point of view and you can do so if you want to leave any feedback or anything like that uh find us on twitter instagram zorilondonsk and also email the podcast as a whole, Ukraine plus football at gmail.com. Big thanks to those of you who have been writing in. We've appreciated it and uh, took, took the comments on board and to heart as well. So thank you for those. Of course, uh, yeah, you can reach out to me at Ukrafot24. Um, I'm across the social medias as well. But till next time, uh, we really can't wait to get this road trip started. It's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of, a lot of laughs, a lot of giggles. But till then, take care, stay safe, and goodbye for now. It's head, it's head, it's head, it's head, it's head.